Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. Thank you so much for the music this morning. And again, thank you for being here. I hope that you've enjoyed your time so far, and I pray that you've been able to worship freely this morning. We're going to be in 1 Samuel this morning. I'm going to be talking about a passage that is fairly familiar as far as uh, Sunday school lessons and different things when it comes to uh, different ladies of the Bible. We're going to talk about the story of Hannah this morning. And today it would, I guess in our day, if we were to almost take this story and transport it to where we are today, I don't know that this would be 100% factual but I could, I could kind of see this story as being a Facebook, Twitter type of a war type of a situation. What we have here, we've got uh, Hannah being one of the wives of Elkanah. And uh, she had a problem because she, Hannah was unable to bear children. And the other wife, Peninnah, was able to have children. And so... Penina decided and thought that it would be very wise of her to basically make fun of and pick at and ride Hannah because Hannah could not have children. So I could kind of see Penina, that's an awesome name, I'm going to call her Pen for the sake of my own sanity this morning. So I can, I can kind of see Pen maybe taking, on a, uh, taking out her phone or getting on a computer or getting on her iPad or her notebook or whatever and grabbing Facebook and, and posting out something of, of the anonymous sort because that's how we have to do it on those things. We have to be, you know, my anonymous friend who cannot have children or whatever. But she would make some statement of some type of a blast at Hannah nonstop throughout the, the Twitter or Facebook or Instagram world that we live today. And I don't know, maybe this is not how it would have happened. But I could see her posting on every social site about her anonymous friend that she knows that does everything wrong. She can't do right. She's not pretty enough. She's not this. She's not that. And of course, it's all anonymous. And I could kind of see that. Maybe, maybe you know that person. Do you, do, you, do you follow those people on Facebook that have some kind of a statement? Hopefully you don't follow them and you just get rid of them because that's really annoying. But they have some kind of a statement that's always anonymous. But uh, everybody really knows what's going on. But nonetheless, so we, we, maybe you, you would know that person. But uh, nonetheless, Penina or Pen was constantly riding Hannah for not being able to have children. Today we look at children as important I love my children. I love the fact that I'm able to play with my kids, and we have four beautiful kids. But today, in how we look at children, and in those days, and in those, that location of the world, and how they looked at children, was completely different. We, though there, and I don't know this, but maybe there's somebody in here that is unable to have children, or was unable to have children, and there's a hurt and there's a pain. But in those day and ages, as a female, if you were unable to have, you were pretty much outcast. You were nobody. You were unimportant. You were, you were kind of the, the downtrodden of, 
of the of the the female race, I guess you could say, at that time and in that place. And so maybe in that day and age, Penn Penn would be one of those people that posts certain things on Facebook or makes certain references of of all of her great children just to get at somebody. Today we are going to look at this story of of Hannah and Peninnah and how Hannah was unable to to have children and and Peninnah thought it was her life's goal to to disrespect and to let Hannah know of how much she was unable to have children how she could make fun of her how she would ride her how she would do all of these things to cause Hannah grief and to cause Hannah hardship Today though I want to look at this story and I want to look at it though we sit here this morning on Mother's Day. Obviously, I understand that uh, at least half of the crowd, or if not more, is not a mother. Um, but as we look at this, I want to look at how Hannah responded to the circumstances that she was placed in. How, how she moved forward minor, beyond the hurt how she moved forward beyond the pain, how she moved forward in the midst of a, of a hardship. And this morning, my goal and my intention, and once I get to the, 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 the point here, and I hope that you'll get, my, my intention is not to, to look at this morning as Mother's Day and be like, oh, this is kind of a Debbie Downer type of a sermon on pain and, and hardship. Really, that's not, that's not the intention this morning. But as I was studying, as, and as I was reading, and as I was looking, I could not help But though Hannah had an incredible prayer, and though Hannah was able to move on, there was a reason, there was something that brought the incredible, the awesome, so to speak, out in all of those things. And and it really came back to her pain, and it really came back to the the hardship that she was facing. And I'm going to stay, and I'm going to state this this morning, I sit in a room full of adults. There's a handful of teenagers and maybe a couple children in here. But I sit in a room full of adults, and I can say, going from this side all the way to the last person on this side, every person in this room has had major pain or major hardship. And let me encourage you, if you have not, you will. It's just part of life. If you can go through life without pain and hardship, I guess, I don't know if I'd say you're better than me or better than everybody else, but... It just doesn't happen. Somebody's going to let you down. Somewhere, somehow, there's going to be pain and hardship. And this morning, we're going to look at a story. We're going to look at a, at a woman who was given and was, was placed under great hardship and great pain and great distress. And as we do so, the idea and the, the goal behind this morning is, is looking at how she handled all of those things. This morning, as I stated, and we all understand, today is Mother's Day. and I don't know how this works, and maybe I'm not stating this correctly, but I'm just going to let you guys do this. Everybody kind of says that they have the greatest mom. I'm going to let you guys argue who has the greatest, you can be like third or fourth place, I guess you could say, because I feel that I have the greatest mom, and then I have the greatest uh, wife who is the greatest mother. So I don't know... If I'm supposed to say my mom is the greatest mom or my wife is the greatest mom, 
But regardless, they're both in the same room. So I have the greatest two women in my life, and you guys can argue for third, fourth, and fifth, but uh, we'll go from there. But uh, this morning, like as I stated just a second ago, I, I know that today is Mother's Day, and I, I am a, I'm excited that I can celebrate that with my mom. I've tried to think of a number of different things this morning to, to discuss, and, and my, my, my point, as I stated in this sermon, is not uh, to be Debbie Downer, so to speak, but it's how did Hannah come through and deal with what Hannah dealt with? What was her outlook on life that caused her to see things, not as to how horrible life was, but to be able to overcome what she faced? And this morning, I, I sit here, and I, or I stand here as you sit there this morning, and I understand and I know that there's hurts and there's pain in this room. I just was looking at the stage this morning, and three of the ladies that were on the stage have lost their mothers. They sang, they led us in worship, they come in a day like today, and it's hard because mom's not there today. I understand there's hardship. I understand there's pain. But how do we overcome that? Not only the loss of a mother or a loss of a family member, but, but how do we overcome? How do you go through pain and hardship when you lost your job at work? When your child isn't what you thought your child would be and they're giving you a hard time? How do we go to that next place? What is it that we do and how do we, how do we look forward? How do we move forward when those pain and that hardship comes? If you would go with me to 1 Samuel chapter number 1. 1 Samuel chapter number 1. I'm just going to read the first nine verses, and then I'm going to kind of pick and choose throughout 1 Samuel 1 and 2 over the course of the next few minutes. But 1 Samuel chapter number 1, starting in verse number 1, and I believe it should be on the screens, but now there was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jero, Jer, Jeroam. I hate reading some of these names in the Old Testament. But anyway, the son of Elihu, the son of Tehu, the son of Zeph, and Ephrathite. And I'm sure I butchered all of those. If, you're a, if you are a uh, Bible scholar, please don't yell at me later. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah. The name of the other was Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of the city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophniah, and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary always provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk, now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple 
of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the day that you've given to us. And God, I thank you for the women that sit in this room that we're able to call mom. Lord, I thank you so much for the lives that are represented, the families that are represented. And God, I ask that you would be with this morning's message. I pray that you would touch the hearts of the people that are here. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. I'm going to give you a statement. Warren Wearsby said this. Our values determine our evaluations. Our values determine our evaluations. And let's think of that. I'm going to take that a little bit deeper. If we don't have... If, if we don't value God's work in us, if we don't trust that God knows exactly what he's doing, if we doubt for a moment the depth of God's love for his children, when the problems come, we're going to get mad with God. We're going to blame God. We're going to question his goodness. Today is my prayer that God will give us an encouragement to fall on our knees, that we would be broken for him, that God would give us personal revival through the life situations that he allows in our lives. If God has allowed the circumstance to be in your life, he has a plan to use that to produce something greater in you for his kingdom. And I'm going to use this quote, the the, the one that I just read, our values determine our evaluations throughout the sermon, but I'm going to use this quote very frequently this morning. Sometimes God allows us to experience pain so that we will more intently fall on our knees, enabling a greater heart of worship. Let me say that again. Sometimes God allows us to experience pain so that we will more intently fall on our knees, enabling a greater heart of worship. If we think of that quote, and then we think of the other quote, our values determine our evaluations, if we understand and we recognize that God allows things in our lives, but our intention, our goal, our, the, the end game, so to speak, is that we would worship God in a greater manner, then each one of these circumstances and each one of these situations we can look at in a different light. Sometimes God allows things so that we would fall greater in love with Him is what we're basically saying. We must determine and desire to allow those pains to draw us to Him having a greater worship. I'm going to use just a a simple illustration, and then I'm going to get into my points this morning. One of you this morning may be in this situation. One One of you may not, but someone getting a promotion... I'm going to look at that thought this morning. Somebody's getting a promotion at work. I don't know if any of you got a promotion this week or if you're up for a promotion, but let's think of this for a moment in light of what we're talking about. Some of you would love to have a promotion. Typically, a promotion means a raise. Notice I said typically because it does not always mean a raise. But it usually means more work. It usually means more responsibility. Sometimes it means you have a better office. Sometimes it means the people within the organization give you and hold you at a higher level of respect. Maybe it gives you a validation. Maybe a a promotion would, would validate the hard work that you've put in day in and day out. Maybe it would give you a pat on the back that you know that that the superiors over you noticed you 
Thus they gave you that. However, promotion also can come at a cost. If you've had a promotion, you may say, I agree. But a promotion comes at a cost. Sometimes it may mean that you have to move. Sometimes it may mean that you have to go to school to to better your degree. Sometimes it may mean more responsibility, longer hours. And if we think of this phrase, our values determine our evaluations. If you value the promotion, then you are willing to do what needs to be done to achieve the goals and to accept the promotion and to continue to succeed. We follow that. If you do not, you are either going to not succeed or you are going to just simply say, I don't want that promotion. I don't value the finances enough. I don't value the responsibility enough. I don't value any of those things enough to put in the work to do what that is entitled. Let's go to then our statement or what we're at this morning. Let me ask you a question. How much do you value to have a greater heart of worship? How much do you value having a greater heart of worship this morning? You might ask the question, well, what does this have to do with Hannah and the story that we're reading? Sometimes we get a spiritual promotion. Sometimes we don't want a spiritual promotion. If God promotes you, if God wants to give you a greater platform, if God wants to expand your influence, if God wants to take you out of the shadows and put you on a completely different stage, are you okay with that? Are you okay with having a quote-unquote spiritual promotion in your life? When we look at our, our promotion at work, like I stated, some of you are like, yes, I've been waiting for that forever. I have great ideas, I have this, I have that, I'm looking, I'm longing for that raise, I'm whatever those things are within that job. But with that comes a, you have to have a certain value to continue to do that. The same thing in our Christian life. If we go back to the New Testament, go to the Gospels, what is it? It states in, in Matthew and in Luke, I believe it is, that if you've been faithful in small things, God, or a few things, God will grant you greater things. He will, if you've been faithful and little, He will give you much. Here's the question, though. Do I want much? Do I want more spiritual responsibility? Do I want more growth in my Christian life? Do I want to grow closer to God? Do I want my heart of worship to be expanded And really this morning, that is, in a nutshell, in some regard, what exactly we're talking about. What if in this room was the next great preacher in America? It doesn't have to be a teenager that hasn't been called to to preach. What if it was an adult in this room that was to be the next great whatever it would be for the cause of Christ? And God came knocking on your door, would we be ready and able and desire to take that? 
What if maybe it's not even a preacher? Maybe it's just somebody that's, maybe you're a writer this morning and, and you, would, you would say, God, I, I, it's been a hard time. I've quit writing. Think of some of the writers from the past. Maybe it's Amazing Grace, the writer of Amazing Grace. What if there's a next Amazing Grace sitting in this room? Maybe it's the It Is Well With My Soul, the great hymn of of a man that was just hurt and broken and had lost everything, and he sat down and he penned down, It Is Well With My Soul, and it's sitting inside of this room. But yet we are too focused on our pain, we're too focused on our hardship to be able to see that God is trying to do something in that pain and in that hardship. Do we value greater worship? Therefore, we are willing to fall on our knees in the moments of pain. As we get into point number one this morning, Hannah's pain brought her to an intense prayer. Now, I didn't go into great, great detail this morning in each one of verses one through nine, but as we read, Hannah was ridden, Hannah was made fun of, Hannah was provoked, Hannah was done all these things. And it comes to verse number 10, and it says this, And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. This morning there's a lot of different things I could pull out of this. And I'm not going to go into all of the historical things and looking into the Nazarites and all of those things this morning. But here's what I want to think of. Hannah, if we were to go back into that in verse number 6, it says, Her adversary provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. It came to the place that Hannah was was made fun of. Hannah would cry. Hannah would weep. Hannah had all of these things. The pain was so intense in her life. Because of this other woman that just nonstop provoked her. I don't know if you've had that person that's just provoked you, that drives you nuts, that there's nothing that you can do. It just seems like every time you turn the corner, there they are, and it's like, ha, and you're just... You just fr- you get frustrated. I don't know. But it was so bad that her own husband came to her and said, Hey, why are you not eating? What's going on? You're not eating. You're, you're countenance. There's no joy. There's no happiness. You're, you're always crying. You're weeping. What is going on? And to think, Hannah in her brokenness, did the one thing that she really only came to a place at her, at her wit's end, I guess you could say. And if you were to study Hannah, it wasn't that she was an, an unspiritual lady up to this point or any of those things, but she came to such a point and she just broke before God and had a moment with God. She took that pain and she brought it into an incredible moment of prayer with Him. Again, sometimes God allows us to experience pain so that we will more intently fall on our knees to Him, enabling a greater heart of worship. Those moments say a lot about who we are. Year after year, she would go to the same place. 
Year after year, Elkanah would go and, and would, would lay down the sacrifice. And year after year, the family would come together and they would go. And, and year after year, she was reminded every time of the loss or of the, the, the unwillingness to have a child. Year after year after year after year. And the pain was nonstop. She was downhearted. Her husband, again, says, what is going on? What is happening? You are, you're so broken. You're so hurt. How tragic it is when we are so burdened that we're unable to experience the simple joys that enrich our life. Have you ever been so broken, so hurt, in so much pain that you can't even see the joy that you do have? You can't even see the blessing that surrounds you? Now, I don't, I don't know. We can maybe make light of this. I don't, I don't know if my wife would maybe think the same thing, and maybe this is what actually drove her to cry even more. But Elkanah, her husband, in verse 8, Why weepest thou? Why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better than ten sons? Maybe that was the point that actually put her over the top. Where she's like, would you just shut your mouth? I don't know in my, my wife's broken misery if I were to go, babe, am I not better than anything else? Guys, try that. And you can say it's of God. It's in the scripture, right? Just go to your wife in the moment where she's just hurting and say, how do you look beyond this? Well, that's really what he was saying. She was broken, she was miserable, and he says, hey, listen, I know you can't have kids, but you've, and, and it's, I don't think this was an arrogant statement, but look what, you've, look what you have. We're together. I'm not leaving you. I don't hate you. I love you. He gave her a double portion is what it says just before that. But so many times, and I know that's maybe we laugh at that, but so many times we don't see the blessing right in front of us when our pain and our agony is so deep. It's so, it's so real in the midst of us. Hannah's, per, Hannah's perspective on life was completely changed, was completely colored by her own personal tragedy that was in front of her. And it's at this point in life for each and every one of us that sit here, whether you're a mother or whether you're a father, or whether you're an adult, whether you're a child, we all have the opportunity at this point where we can say, I'm either with God, I'm either against God, or I'm going to do this on my own. Pain is real. Hurt is real. And here's what we can do in the midst of that. We can accept it. As the statement is, sometimes God allows us to have pain. Why? So that in the end, we can have a greater heart and a greater passion and a greater desire to worship Him. But the only way that that happens is if our value, if our focus is the heart of worship. Hannah had the value of the heart of worship. The only way the promotion works is if I desire to have the promotion. Otherwise, it's misery to me. Hannah had that heart of worship. Hannah didn't throw it away. Hannah didn't say, God, why? Hannah didn't do those things. Instead, Hannah left the situation where she was. And she began to cry 
she began to weep. She began to cry out and pray and worship and bow down to God. Maybe I'm assuming like never before. Which takes us to that second place. Hannah's pain and prayer was visible to others. Hannah's in such great agony. She was so depressed. She was so hurt. She did not know what else to do. This second point is very short this morning, but this second point is also very powerful. Can I let you know, Mom, the children that you have watch you. That's not just a mom thing. Dads, let me let you know the children that you have watch you. You're being watched. And in the midst of pain, you're being watched. And in the midst of heartache, you're being listened to. Those little kids that are around you when you're hurt and when you're broken and when you're spouting off to your spouse or when you're having those conversations with adults around you and you're angry and all of those things, let me tell you, your kids are listening and they take in everything that you do. Well, they don't really understand. No, let me share with you, our children understand far more than we'll ever give them credit for understanding. Have you ever sat in a room with one of your children and they made a comment and you're like, holy cow, I didn't know that you even understood that, or I didn't know that you heard that. I've found notes that my daughter has written sitting in a Sunday night service, taking notes from teachers teaching. And I'm like, holy cow. Here I'm thinking she just goofs off. Now, a lot of times she does. But she had every verse that was mentioned on a, on a particular thing that I happened to find one day. She had statements, and it wasn't me. She had statements and comments and quotes from that were mentioned. It made me stop for just a moment and go, wow, she grasped more than I give her credit for grasping. They follow, they listen. And this particular thing, I know it's not based on a mother crying and all of those things, but here we see Hannah was so broken. Hannah was so downtrodden. Her heart was just overflowing. And Hannah goes to the temple and she leaves and, it, and she goes and she's weeping and she's crying and she's praying and she's just crying out to God. And Eli is sitting there and sitting, it says in, in verse 9 or 10 that he's in verse number uh, 9 that he was sitting by the seat in the post he was sitting right there at the entrance of the temple and Hannah walks in I don't know if Hannah ever noticed that Eli was there the priest or not we don't know but what we do know is this Hannah just was broken Hannah was broken to the point that Eli looks at her stops her and says ma'am you are drunk you need to get out of this temple I don't know if anybody would ever walk in on your brokenness and your prayer time and say, wow, that person is drunk. But Eli the priest looked at her, and I don't know if he was just assuming just another drunk woman had came into the temple or somebody had just lost their way or what it was. But he went and he approached her and, and he says, ma'am, in your drunken state, you need to get out of here. Why? Because she was just broken. It says that her mouth was moving, yet no words were coming out. She was broken. She was weeping. She was, she was doing these things. Why? Because she, she was hurt. Her pain was so much. 
She knew she did not know what else to do. And, in, and so what she does is she pours her heart out to God. If we were to look in that verse number 11, just prior to that, it says that she vowed a vow. She said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me, not forget me, but you will give me a man-child. I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And in verse 12, and it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. She spake in her heart only. Or she spake in her heart only, her lips moved. But her voice was not heard, and he thought she had been drunk. This morning, in this short second point here, Hannah's pain and prayer were visible to others. Her pain was visible to her husband. Her pain and her prayer became visible to Eli the priest. And Eli then did something about it. Eli took that and he took it to God after he realized and after she had said to him, No, I'm, I'm not drunk. I'm, I'm, hard of, I'm, I'm hurt. I'm, I'm sorrowful in verse number 15. I've not drunk anything. I've done nothing wrong. I'm just worshiping. I'm trying to cry out to God. I don't know what else to do. I'm just crying out. Sometimes God allows us to experience pain so that we will more intently fall on our knees, enabling a greater heart of worship. When we live with the desire to have a greater heart of worship for God than our children, not only our children, but everyone will see our actions and how we live that out for Him. This next point is Hannah's pain and prayer led to God's peace. Verse 17 and 18, it says, Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Again, I don't know what that particular thing, what took place there. All we know is that as Hannah went in and prayed and and Hannah was crying and weeping that Eli found her to be drunk and then they had their conversation and basically, I don't don't know. I don't know if she began to beg Eli. No, I'm not. I, I just, I'm hurt. I'm broken. I don't know what that situation was. She wasn't making an ultimatum with God like we often do. She basically said, God, if you will do this, I promise you I'm giving him back. I'm not drunk. I'm I'm not any of these things. If we were to go to Romans chapter 8, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I'm not saying that Hannah wasn't or was carnally minded, but what I am saying is, the only place that we find life and peace is in the Spirit of God. The only place that Hannah was able to get peace and comfort was when she fell and she was broken before God. The only place that she was able to to regain the countenance that she had had was when she was broken before God. 
if you're a mother, a father, if you're an adult, a teenager, wherever in between there, when we take our pain and burden to Him, He is and it is the only place where we can find peace and rest. Hannah came to her wit's end. Her life was becoming in shambles. This thing had taken a hold of her. Her pain was so intense. It was affecting everything that she did. She cried all day and night. She was in agony. She no longer was eating. It was obviously affecting her husband to the sense that he had made a comment back to her. 2 Thessalonians 3 says, Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. God is the only one who can give and grant us the peace that we're after. Here's what we like to do oftentimes. In our midst of our hurt, in the midst of our pain, guys, this is what we'll do. We'll work a few extra hours and we'll make a few extra bucks and we'll go buy something to ease that pain. We'll do all of these things. Listen, and I don't think I'm, I'm preaching to the choir on most of this, but money is not the answer to pain. Money does not bring peace. Money does not bring comfort. If it did, then Hollywood would be the greatest place in all the world. But yet Hollywood is the place with the most rehab places. It's not about money. It's not about the things that we attain. There's nothing wrong with money. But it's, it's this. When I'm in deep pain... All of the things that I try to take myself in, all of the things that I will try to, to do, I'll try to keep myself busy, I'll try to find this, I'll try to work this, I'll try to do this, 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 this. The only thing that will bring you peace, the only thing that will bring you comfort is when we take it to Him. That's it. Sometimes it takes what Hannah did. She came to her wit's end where I have nothing else to do but just pour it out. I'm just fallen on God's knee. I just, here I am. Hannah's pain and prayer led her, or led to her giving back to the Lord. Is the le- next point. Hannah's pain and prayer led, her, led to her giving back to the Lord. One of the greatest stories ever to me is the story of Abraham and Isaac. Abraham had to determine to follow the Lord and was he willing to give of his only son in Genesis 22. I'm not going through that whole story, but I love that story. I love the, that, that Abraham would, would take his son and, and climb a mountain with just his son Isaac and the things that he needed to provide or to build that altar. When they get to that point, I, I, again, I've said, I've said this, and it's been a long time since I've spoken on this, but I'm sure Isaac at some point was like, Dad... What are we going to sacrifice? Abraham, no doubt, was in deep prayer all the way up there. But in the midst of that, Abraham was willing, God, I will give back. God, I'm willing to give back my only son. I want you. I need you. I don't need, and as hard as this is to say, I don't need him. I need you. I'm willing to be faithful and obedient to you so much so that I will give him to you. She came to that place in her hurt, in her pain, in her tragedy, in all of the things that she was facing. She said, God, here it is. Here is everything. 
And as we come out of verse number 18, and we're going we're to skip through some of this here, but it says in verse 19, And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house to Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. I stated jokingly that we have had a number of new children, and I'm going to I'm going to assume that all of you did it scripturally. And that you woke up in the morning and you went and worshipped. And then you knew each other. That's not funny. Never mind. We will delete that from the sermon. But at this point, we get to the, we get to the end... And the Lord remembered her. That was really all I was trying to get after. But they come to this, and and the Lord remembered her. And then the shortest birth in all of mankind, the next verse, it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son. This just goes to show that Scripture is not like it's written. I'm just being, man... Rough crowd, rough crowd. No, but God gave her and remembered Hannah. And as that was done in verse number 26, and she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also, if I lent him to the Lord, as long as he liveth, he shall, lent, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord. Or, yeah, and he worshipped the Lord there. So we come to this point, and we see all throughout, and I know I didn't break out, and I don't have 50 different verses this morning, and, but we look at this. There was pain. That pain caused her to pray. That pain caused her to be seen. That pain caused her to give back. And we come to this place, and, and Hannah, in all of her brokenness, and Hannah, in all of these things, when we look and we go back to the statements that were made this, earlier, our values determine our evaluation. Sometimes God allows us to experience pain so that we will more intently fall on our knees to, to Him, enabling a greater heart of worship. Listen this morning. The pain that she suffered, the things that she was facing, she could have easily thrown in the towel. She could have easily done a number of different things, but she chose to do one thing, and she chose to take that pain and draw closer to God. This morning, the sermon isn't about so much the pain and the, the hardships that may sit in this room or, or the, the emotion of trying to cause you to get to tears or any of those things. The, the idea, the thought is, what are, you, what are you after? What am I after? Am I after a greater heart of worship in my life as a believer? Are you this morning after a greater heart of worship? If God calls your name and says, Johnny... I need you over here. Are you spiritually desiring to grow in Christ that you would say, yes, God, I am ready for the promotion that you have for me? Or you would look at him and go, you know what, God? I really like just showing up at church every Sunday morning and attending and leaving. 
I really like not having to do too much. I think far too often we're, we're so willing to not have the promotion. We're so willing to sit in the chair having the, all of the ability to be the next great songwriter, to be the next great preacher, to be the next great Sunday school teacher, to be the next great whatever you do at your job, whatever that is, and give it back to God. We're so willing sometimes because why? We're not willing to take that pain and understand that that pain or that situation or that thing is so that I will have a greater impact in the kingdom of God. She took her pain and she said, God, this is all that I have. God, I am broken and I am willing and I am giving everything right back to you. God, when you give me this child, here it is. Samuel is all yours. And that's exactly what she did. She never had the intention of of making it an ultimatum to God. So many times we pray with the ultimatum, but yet at the end we know the end game. We really don't have a desire to give up what we're saying that we're going to give up. I really don't have the desire that when I have this child that I'm going to give him 100% back to you, God. But I'm going to say that, and then when we get it, we don't do it. Hannah prayed with the intent of giving it back to God. And in verse 26, when she came to that place, she gave him right back to God. And then the last point this morning, and it's very, very brief, is this. Hannah's pain and prayer caused her to to an intimate worship. If you go to chapter number 2, and I'm not going to read all of this but chapter number 2, verses 1 through 11, which really was part of one of the, the... I was really just going to take some of this. I couldn't... I had to have all of it. She comes to a place and she just worships God. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceeding proud. Let no arrogancy come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. The bowels of the mighty men are broken, and they they that stumbled are girded with strength. They that were full have hired out themselves for the bread, and they that were hungry cease, so that the barren hath borne seven. And she that hath many children is wax feeble. And we go on for the next few verses. But here's what she did. I can't imagine, or maybe I can only imagine, the pain that Hannah went through. The hurt that Hannah had allowed the heart, allowed the worship that she was able to experience in chapter number two, that prayer to God of praise, that prayer of God to just genuine worship, that prayer was so real, that prayer was so genuine, that prayer was so honest before God. Why? Because she had experienced these things back here. Listen, I know this is maybe a very, very simple sermon this morning, but our values determine where we're headed. 
Our values determine our evaluation. And sometimes in our system, sometimes in our circumstances, sometimes in all of these things, God allows us to experience pain so that we will more intently fall on our knees. Enabling a greater heart of worship. What did Paul do on multiple occasions? God, take this thorn Take it from me. God, I cannot handle this thorn in my side anymore. God, I can't handle this pain. God, I can't handle this pain. And God says, I gave you that pain. I will take you through that pain. Why? Because there's a greater heart of worship at the end. There's a, there's a reason. There's a, there's a calling at the end. And it's not just to give us a pain in the neck. Hey, the hurt that you're in this morning, look at that pain, look at that hurt with the outlook of, God, I know this is going to allow me to worship you better. Hey, the, uh, the thing that you're not understanding today, allow that to be the thing that enables you to, to know that on the other side, I'm going to be that much closer to you. Because when we look at those circumstances, when we look at that situation, and we understand God has allowed it, our outlook is so much different. The pain that Hannah had was for one reason, and it was to be able to worship in a more intimate way. It's the same thing for us. The circumstance that you went through this week, this year, this last two years, this last five years, whatever it is, that circumstance is that you will have a greater heart for Him. That circumstance is that we will worship Him more freely. Why? God is still God. Whether it's the worst type of pain you can ever imagine, or it's just something that's circumstantial and it's going to go by, God is still God, and God is on the throne. God is still God, and He allowed that thing to happen in your life. If He wouldn't have allowed it, it would not be there. If you could not handle it, it would not be there. This morning, let me just ask you that question one more time. Do we value greater worship Therefore, we are willing to fall on our knees in those moments of pain. How much do you value to have a greater heart of worship this morning? I know this morning wasn't, moms, you're the greatest thing in the world. Hoorah, let's leave. Ready, break. But I believe this story doesn't just affect a mother in her prayer. This story affects every person that sits in this room because each and every one of us go through pain. Each and every one of us go through hardship. And how we look at that determines how we worship at the end. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, 
go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.